Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Framed, uh, framed, and I talked to you about the fact that I believe there are quite a few factors in life that shape who you are. Some more important than others, like your education shapes who you are. Uh, your family shapes who you are, your society, even the region you live in shapes who you are. I mean, if you were born in the South, by the, by the virtue of the fact that you were born in the South, you probably have been convinced that boiled peanuts are actually good. I, uh, yeah, see, warped, warped mind frames. I, the only way to eat peanuts is roasted. I mean, I don't. I like to have to chew my food. I don't want my food crawling down my throat. And so, I. But the region uh, in the South, they do vinegar barbecue. In in this part here, now don't knock it till you try it. Now, uh, I, I ain't trying boiled peanuts, but 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 try the barbecue. And here it's the tomato. But it's about the region that you. Yeah. Okay. So, these things have impact on our world. They shape us. But, but I told you, I'm not convinced that they're the most powerful influence on our lives. There, there are a couple other factors. We began talking last week about one of the most significant. We're going to continue that this Sunday and next Sunday and, and deal with it. And then on the, the last Sunday, uh, I'll talk to you about another factor. I'm not going to let the, the cat out of the bag. But there's another factor that is important that shapes who you are. But we've been talking about the mind. How you think shapes and frames your world. Now, now, I, I just want to warn you, uh, I, I went into a, a retreat setting a couple of months ago and spent some time in prayer and seeking God's face and began to prepare this message. When I got to this particular message, uh, something happened that has not happened in the five-year history that we've been together. I, I just began to work on this message, and when I finished, I had 20 pages of notes. See, I am my father's son. I had uh, 20 pages of notes, and so I hope you brought something to eat today, because we're going to be here just a little while, and uh, no, nah, I'm not going to do that to you. What I had to do, I've never done this before, I took a message and split it right in half, and so I say that to tell you that today I just want to continue to build on the fact that we've got to deal with how we think, but next week, you need to be here next week, because next week I'm going to tell you how we actually go through the process of changing how we think. You know you need to know, you, need, you know you need to change how you think, but if you're not here next week, you're just going to be like, I don't know how to change how I think. So I'm just going to tell you, that's a little hook. I got 10 pages of notes for you next week. You need to be here because we're going to talk about how to change your mind. This morning I want to talk to you about mind frames, mind frames. Last week we started in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I could have just read this verse of Scripture and dismissed you. 4.23, Proverbs 4.23. Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. And you can't get any more blunt than that, plain than that, easy to understand than that. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. The wise man came on and he came along after that again and he said in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
And I told you last week that the enemy comes along and he plays mind games on us. He tries to make our perceptions our reality. He paints fictional portraits that aren't even really real. And he convinces us that they're real. And so we buy into his lie. We buy into his games and it impacts our, our world. Like we'll buy into the, oh, I need to get a different job. I don't like my job anymore. And, 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 and perceptions become reality. I'll, I'll allow him to play tricks in my mind if we're not careful. And so we got to be careful you got to have people in your life that can speak and say you got the wrong perception the wrong reality you you're not seeing things clearly i hope you found somebody this week that could speak into your life and say you need to stop thinking like that because they can protect you because elijah we talked about elijah last week and what it taught us was that if you're not careful you're you're I'm having sound, something going on with my microphone, but that's all right. Stay with me. Uh, when, when, you're in, when, when you're tired, you'll make bad decisions, bad choices because your perception is wrong. So you need somebody that can come along in the tired moments of your life and say, hey, 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 don't make a decision right now. You're thinking wrong. Also, when you have great victories you can make wrong decisions. And so we said, you've got to be careful. The reason our perceptions are so important is because if we're not careful, what's in our head gets in our feet. And I told you that if you're not careful, what will happen is when you begin to think the wrong thoughts and the enemy plays tricks on you, you will begin to run away from things that you're not intended to run away from. Like he'll convince you that you need to run away from this church because they don't like me there, they don't care about me. And you'll run away from the assigned place that God has for you. And the blessing that goes along with that will be missed. You'll run away from a job that God, that God was about to use on your behalf. You'll run away from a marriage that isn't really dead. You just, okay. All right, you'll give up on your kids when you shouldn't give up on your kids. And so you've got to be careful. And then I told you last but not least that you've got to be careful and to, to, about what's in your head because any problem that you're ever going to come out of, you're going to come out of head first. You've got to think differently. Come on, look at somebody and say, change your mind. Yeah, you're going to have to see yourself different than you do right now. So moving forward, I want to tell you three important things this morning that I think are crucial for you to understand as we start dealing with how we think and changing our mind frame. The first thing I want to say to you this morning is that fixing the mind is a daily process. you got to get this. Get this right here. See, I, I, I'm convinced that what most of us want to do is uh, we really never think about how we think except on Sundays. We go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and never really stop and think about the thoughts that run through our head. And then we show up at church on Sunday, and then what we want, we want God to do is we want God to correct and corral everything that we've allowed to run amok all week long and say, God, when we get in here, fix my mind, and I, what I experienced this Sunday will be enough to sustain. But that doesn't work. We, we must understand that there is a daily process that we have to go through where God fixes our mind. We must submit our mind daily. Every morning of your life, you must submit your mind. You've got to allow Him to fix your mind on a daily basis. I, I referenced last week one of the first passages of Scripture I ever really remember memorizing was Romans chapter one, 12, verses 1 and 2. I know you like them because it deals with behavior, but it goes way beyond behavior. It deals with it gives us instructions that not only deal with our actions and how we behave, but it deals with how we think. Let me read it to you again. It's Romans chapter 12, 
Verse 1 and 2, I'm going to read it to you out of two different versions so we can hear it and understand it clearly. The first one says this, the first version is this, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Here you go. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's read it out of another version. It says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's perfect will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I'm not going to get all Greek on you, but, but I do need to, uh, to, to, to let you understand that when Paul said, renew your mind, the concept there in the Greek is that it's not a one-time deal. It's, I renew today, and I keep renewing on a daily basis. It never stops at one time. You have to present your mind to God every morning. You have to allow your thought processes, your thought subjects, and your imaginations to daily be laid down at the feet of Jesus and say, here's my mind, renew my mind, change my mind. See, I need to tell you that because the truth is, is that you can undo everything that you just did in about 30 minutes of worship in about 15 seconds when you leave this place. In fact, all you really need to do is pull up here to this stop sign and try to make a turn out of there. And you will recognize that you can undo everything that took place in this room in about 15 seconds. Julie called me this morning on the way to church. She said, I had a green light pulling onto Northwest Expressway. And a truck came barreling through the intersection and never even slowed down. How many of you know she had to renew her mind? It's a daily process. When, I, when my kids aren't acting like they should be on Monday morning, I have to stop and renew my mind. When, when I go to work on Tuesday morning and my boss is being an idiot and I want to say what is going on down in my spirit, I need to stop and renew my mind. On Wednesday when my wife isn't, well, I better stop right there and renew my mind because uh, I can like be dead if I'm not real careful on that one. So we got this daily process. It's not a one-time thing. Some of you are struggling in your thought life because the only time you even deal with your thought life is when you get to church. And so you have to renew your mind on a daily. And if you're Steve Ely, you've got to renew your mind on a daily, moment by moment, second by second, millisecond by millisecond. I don't even know what's under a millisecond, but whatever is under that, I've I got to get down to the moments of my life and recognize if I could ever renew my... I've got to constantly deal with my head. Y'all got to fix your mind daily. Now, the reason that is so important, and this is crucial to understand, is because the second thing I want to say to you is that if you would go through a daily mind fix, you would also discover that your behavior would be fixed. <laughs> See, many of us are fixated on behavior. 
And I'm going to change mics because this thing drive me nuts. All right, Danny, I'm on this one now. We, we become fixated on behavior. That's why so many people make do's and don't lists. If I could just ever keep my don't, my, my do list and not do my don't list, then, then I, will be, I will be fixed in life. But, but we fixate on behavior and we never deal with our mind. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to get our behavior right, but we continue to struggle and fail. Maybe I'm not talking about y'all. Maybe I'm just talking about me. Maybe I'm just talking about Paul who said, I want to do right and I can't do right. I know y'all are more holy than Paul, but, but Paul had an issue. And it happens to be our issue. We want our behavior to be correct. I want to live in righteousness. I want to do good. I want to be a great. But the reality is, is unless I fix my mind, I can't fix my behavior. Uh, okay. See, Paul shows us that if we adjust our minds, our bodies, our actions, our behaviors will be impacted. He clearly states this. He says, if you will renew your mind, you won't fall into the customs and in the behaviors of the world that you live in. That's what he says. There's a correlation between how we think and how we behave. Let me, let me take you to another passage of Scripture that I think will help you. Isaiah chapter, chapter 55, verses 7 and 8 says this. It says, let the wicked, now stay with me here to see this now. You've got to read. Let the wicked change their ways. How? And banish the very thought of doing wrong. You mean if I, I, can, I can't change my ways unless I change what I think? Well, that's kind of the point of this message, isn't it? Let, uh, let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. Here it is. My thoughts, God's saying this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. Do you see the correlation? Do you see the link? He says, he says, turn from your wicked ways and banish the thoughts of doing wrong. In other words, thoughts and ways are linked. If we, would cha- we could change our ways, if we could ever change our thoughts, there's a direct, our actions begin with a thought. You, your thought life determines how you act. Some of you don't understand why you can't seem to act different, differently even though you've been attending church. It's quiet in here. Some of you can't figure it out, man. You, I, I want to act. I mean, I'm actually listening to mute, like worship music, and I still continue to fall and fail. I change the group I hang out with, and I still fall, and I continue to fail. The answer is simply this. You may have changed your environment. You may have changed your listening habits, but until you change the way you think, your behavior will not follow. You continue to live in the past and therefore your actions become repeated. You, you continue to think like an addict so your actions follow. You continue to think like you did when you were in the hood so your actions follow. Yeah. You continue to act like or think like you're poor so your actions follow. That's why rich people hoard toilet paper. Seriously now. Why would somebody that's a millionaire hoard toilet paper? Because they still thinking like they were poor and they're, I, I will lose every. Did y'all read the story I read just recently? There was a, a story, an account of a man that was living in filth. His, he's like one of those guys that you see on the hoarding show. Like they, they go in the house and there's magazines stacked above your head and furniture that he couldn't get to. And, and they, 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 
just everywhere. He was purchasing daily stuff, 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 until his house is overrun. And all of a sudden, his neighbors, I mean, it's nasty. The yard's overgrown. The house is falling apart. It's in disrepair. And the neighbors become concerned because they haven't seen him in like two weeks or a week. I don't remember how exactly. And so the public authorities break down the door, and they go in. And finally, when they dig him out, he'd been dead like a month. And they dig him out from all the filth and all the stuff and they start cleaning out the house, they found out that he had like $70 million of gold in a dilapidated, old, torn-up, beat-up house because he didn't change how he thought, so his behavior followed. So in other words, if you continue to think like a sinner after you've been saved, your behavior will follow. If you continue to think like someone who's been rejected, someone who's abandoned, someone who's been abused, then you will continue to bounce from relationship to relationship looking for acceptance and love that you're never going to find until you change your mind. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, come on, you need to change your mind. So we got to daily change our mind and fix our mind. We could fix our daily behavior if we would fix our daily thoughts. Y'all didn't get that, so I'm going to say it again. We could fix our daily behavior. Anybody got any behavior? Y'all, I'm not asking you to like shout it out. You got any behavior you need fixed? Yeah, yeah. Then change your mind. Change how you think. Because if you don't, your behavior will return. Now, y'all, y'all know when, when you're headed into dangerous territory that people warn you. Like you go to the doctor to get a diagnosis, they always give you the worst one so that they can protect themselves. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a warning right now that's going to protect me because we're headed in some dangerous territory because I'm going to teach you how to change your mind next week. So you need to be here. But, but before we do, I just need to tell you, I need to give you a warning. Here's your warning. Warning! The mind is mean. You say, what, is, what does that mean? I just want you to know that if you are so desperate for your, your ways to change that you are actually willing to start working on your mind, then I just want to warn you before we start that this is not going to be easy. Well, why would you tell us that? Because I know how we are. We want it to be easy. I I just want like two minutes, Steve. If you could just figure out a formula that you could write down for me and I could do this two minutes every day, then I'll probably be all right. No, it ain't going to be easy. I just want to come in in an hour flat. Fix me, Steve. Just come in here and let's just do an hour service and fix me. It ain't going to be that easy. The mind is mean. You need to understand that if we are going to change our thoughts, then, then you've got to understand that, that, that most of us are not prepared for the level of spiritual violence that is required to actually change our thoughts. Because how many of you recognize this morning that purity isn't natural? I've discovered something about us. If, if we leave our mind unguarded and we're not willing to do the battles necessary, our mind will always lead us towards doing things that we know we should not do. This is not easy. We want that easy fix, but I came to tell you this morning that you can't just play church and fix your mind. You can't just do quick stop and fix your mind. This isn't going to be easy street. This isn't going to be a cakewalk. This isn't going to be a tiptoe through the tulips kind of thing. This is going to be difficult because all new thoughts are violently resisted by old thoughts. Y'all didn't get that. All new thoughts 
are violently resisted by old thoughts. If you don't know that, then you probably have never attended some of the churches I've attended. Like the ones that had the orange carpet that was ugly, that was out in the 60s, like shag. And then you come in and say, we want to change that. How many of you recognize old thoughts are violently resisted? Okay, some of y'all been in church as long as I have. All right, if you haven't, blessings on you. Glad for you. That's not my testimony. But that's true in your own private life too. Every time the Holy Spirit brings a new thought into your mind, a new way of thinking, your old man will rise up and do battle. That's why in Romans, listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. He says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, get this, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In another version it says like this, the, the, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to, the, God, to God's law, nor can it do so. Did you see that? The carnal mind, it says, is governed by the flesh and is enmity, hates is at war with, is hostile with God. This is not going to be easy. This is going to be a war. If you're going to change the way you think, you need to understand and comprehend before you ever start this process that there is a war at hand and you have got to be willing to battle or you will not be victorious. Paul goes on to reveal the depth of this battle and, and I'm going to read to you what he says out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 because it reveals just what has to take place and there's a key word in here and I'm going to come back to it. I want you to watch for it. It's the word captive. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every presentation that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it we take captive to take every thought and to make it to make it we take it captive and we make it be obedient to Christ if you got kids at home you know that there are moments in life when you got to make them obey they didn't want to you leave them to their own devices and they won't do it. Clean your room. No. Clean your room. No. Clean your room or I will bury you in it. Clean your room. You have to make. Paul says that's what our thought war is going to be. He says this. He says you got to take captive. Man, that's a powerful word. That's not a passive word. That's not I'm going to pray some weak little prayer and, and then all of a sudden my thoughts are going to line up. That's not I'm going to sing, sing some sweet little worship song on the way to work and my thought life will be okay. That is this concept. It is this concept of re that, that, that you grab your thoughts and you wrestle them to the ground and you grab their arms and you shove it behind its back and you force your mind to surrender. The mind is mean. This doesn't happen just passively saying, Jesus, fix my thoughts. Good luck. 
yeah, yeah. This is a all-out, strap your boots on, get your hands full of some weapons, get ready to take up your battle stations, let the blood begin to fly proposition where you've got to take your mind and force it to, to think on what it should think on. And see, most of y'all want to check out right there because that's too much work. But if you want your behaviors to change, you got to go to war. There's, there's violence in that passage. Thoughts don't lay down easy. I started to use, like, Woody as an example. Pastor Woody as an example. I was going to get him up here, and I was, like, going to beat him down. Twist his arm, shove it behind his back just because I wanted to. But then I realized that you probably already got the mental picture. Plus, he could probably hurt me. Thoughts are mean. You have to forcibly remove things from the territory of your mind. Now, there's good news. All that to say this, there's good news. The good news is that even though it is a battle, we have the power to accomplish the task at hand. In fact, I want to say this to you this morning. This is not a lack of power issue. This is a right power issue. Because, see, some of you are trying to win the war in your mind through willpower. And I got news for you. You don't have enough willpower. I'm not going to watch that anymore. Click. You know, within 15 minutes, you're going to be watching it again. I'm never going to log on there again. Yeah, right. Favorites. I'm never going to get mad at the person at the drive-in again. Yeah, right. When they put mustard instead of mayonnaise. Am I right? Willpower doesn't get this done. The good news is this is not a lack of power issue. It is a right power issue. That's why in Romans chapter 8, Paul makes it abundantly clear we have all the power we need. He says it like this. He says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, then they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. He links it together. Your behaviors are dictated by your thoughts, but he says our weapons, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty to the pulling down the strongholds uh, that are in our minds, and, by, and we have the spirit that is in us that causes us to be able to rise up and fight these fights and actually win. Our weapons are spirit-directed, laser-precise, and they have the ability to strike and destroy strongholds. Paul follows this up and he says, you know what? You've got the ability to live in righteousness. That is why, listen to me this morning, that is why it is so absolutely essential that you are spirit-filled. Because willpower will not cause you or give you the ability to change your mind. Boy, it's quite enough. Pentecostal church is mine. By the way, you're not spirit-filled just because you attend a Pentecostal church. 
Now, if you if you think that, then then I encourage you to go to your garage this afternoon and go brum brum, and you'll be a Corvette. I I personally do that at least three times a week because that's as close as I'm ever going to get to a Corvette. So. But just attending a Pentecostal church doesn't mean you're spirit-filled. And it is absolutely, hear me this morning, it is absolutely essential that you become spirit-filled. Why? So that you will have the ability and the power and the weapons necessary to change your mind. Why? So that then you can change your behavior. Because the carnal mind will not give you the power to change these things. There's only one mind frame that will work, and that is the mind of the Spirit. And the only way to have the mind of the Spirit is to get Spirit-filled. Well, Steve, are you talking about like speaking in other tongues and stuff like that? Yes, but no. I want to be perfectly clear. Yes, but no. Yeah, that is the initial evidence. But if all you do is speak in a bunch of tongues and you don't ever exert the power of the Holy Spirit in your life away from church, when oh, the Holy Spirit's just really about us having good services. If we could just have the Holy Spirit operating here, man, we could have some like goosebumps and some bucking and shouting and running and we'll throw money on the stage and go out of here. And then on Monday, because we haven't used the actual power that he gave us, we won't change our minds. So we live like the devil all week long and then come back in here and then we have church again. Y'all want you to speak to us? Yes! But is that the most important part? No! It's the gravy. It's the icing. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this. You cannot pull down strongholds and imaginations with fleshly power. Won't work. And so I want to say to you that Paul makes it extremely, extremely, extremely clear that it is the power of the Spirit that will correct wrong thinking which in turn corrects wrong behavior and so here's where I drew the line in my 10 pages before we can ever start talking about the process of changing your mind which we're going to do next week I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face about how to change your mind but if you're not filled with the spirit you can know the process and never be able to do it and so I think it's important, essential this morning to make sure, to make absolutely sure that you are full of the Holy Spirit so that you will have the tools and the necessary instruments in place that when we start talking about the process, you will actually be able to do what we talk about because it ain't going to be easy. And you can't do this by yourself. So I just want to pray for you this morning. You say, well, y'all are these freaky Pentecostals. Are y'all going to like make me jump up and down and spin? No, 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 no. Let me explain some things to you this morning. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, then I want to say to you that you need to ask the Holy Spirit to refresh and renew you in a new sense of his presence in your life to where it becomes more than about good church services. And you, you, you release him in your, your, your life and in your mind to help you battle your thoughts and then I want to say to those of you that are sitting under the sound of my voice that may not have been filled with the Holy Spirit this is not a hierarchy thing it's just a father son thing when I tell my children I have a gift for you I don't make them beg I don't make them plead I'm a good dad I want what's best for them I want them to have every gift that is available 
That's really what the Holy Spirit is like to you. It's not about you begging God to give it to you. He already said he wanted to give it to you. There's no hoops to jump through. We don't have to get like three ounces of extra virgin olive oil and lather you up really good and like play this certain note on the piano. You ain't going to get it until we play this. Hold on, let go. No, forget all that junk. Forget all that junk. How about this? Father, I just want everything that I need. I know you want it for me because you want me to win this war. And so I just simply ask. That's too easy. I didn't get it that easy. Sorry for you. That's what it's like. Why? Because he's a good dad. So Father, this morning I simply pray. We do a spirit check around here. God, I, I pray over every individual under the sound of my voice that's been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would shake off apathy. They would shake that gift off and they would refuse to only use it on Sundays. It's not even really about Sundays. It's about the Mondays and the Thursdays and the Fridays when my mind tries to run rampant on me. God, I pray that anybody under the sound of my voice that's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd stir that gift up and they would begin to use the weapon that you've given them and they would begin to change their mind frame. They would go to war. They would recognize that they don't have a lack of power. They have the right power. But Father, once we have the right power, then it becomes a discipline issue because we cannot become disciples without discipline. Help us to utilize that gift to discipline our mind to think the right thoughts so that our behavior will follow. And then, Father, I pray for those under the sound of my voice that may have not experienced the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. My simple prayer is, God, I pray that you would give them the best gifts. Your word declares that all we got to do is ask. Ask and believe. God, you didn't make the, the, the guys on the day of Pentecost jump through any hoops. They simply, simply received this great gift, and it changed the entire world. And so, Father, I pray for brothers and sisters under the sound of my voice that don't have this gift. Today, Father, I pray that you would feel them even now as they humbly ask, as a son would ask a good father, as a daughter would crawl up in the lap of their, their father and say, Daddy, please, God, I just pray that right now you would fill them with your spirit to overflow so that they can fight and win and be victorious. This is how we're going to end this morning. I want you to stand with me. I want you to lay your hands on the person next to you. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I have not been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That extra special gift that God gives, and I desperately want it this morning. Then what I want you to do is I want you to tell the person that's praying for you right now that just it, it's not going to embarrass them you shouldn't be embarrassed just say hey I'm seeking the gift this morning that's what I need in my life 
Come on, turn and tell your neighbor right now. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this is your day. Just, just tell them right now. That's what I need. I, maybe you want to tell your neighbor, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've already received and you need more. And that's the, the confession you need to make to them right now. If that's you, would you just turn and tell your neighbor, why are we doing this together? Because we're in this together. We're in this together. Father, right now, we, we pray for our brothers and sisters. God, regardless of whether or not we've been filled for decades or never been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right now, we ask you to fill to the uttermost. God, I pray for the person on my right and my left that you would fill them beyond their wildest imaginations with power, laser-sharp, laser-directed power so that they can overcome every scheme, every attack, every snare of the enemy, and you would allow them to have the power necessary to win this fight, to, to destroy the imaginations, the strongholds that our mind puts in our place, in our, in our way. God, I pray that you would demolish those things as we operated the power of your spirit. Fill us, oh God. And God, I quit praying for them and pray for me. God, I pray in Jesus' name you'd fill me to a new level of anointing. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost would interrupt my life with power and the daily struggles that I have would come to an end and that you would battle the th I would I would take I would take captive and make my mind obey when it doesn't want to obey through the power and the anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit God we pray that you would allow weapons that are not carnal to rise up in our lives and our mind would submit so that our actions would follow. So, Father, I pray for my folks because I know that in about 15 seconds when they watch it walk out of this room, they can undo everything that's been done today. God, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would rise up in them and they would daily, moment by moment, second by second, millisecond by millisecond, they would begin to renew their minds. I pray that they would recognize immediately when the enemy begins to play mind games. And they would change how they think. And Father, I pray you'd bring us back next week ready to do some really hard work as we walk through the step-by-step -step process that is necessary to actually change how we think. I pray that all week long, your Holy Spirit would work on us and, and, and help us to rise up and not be afraid of the hard work, the discipline that will be necessary to change us forever. And Father, we will thank you for it and give you the glory for it because you're worthy and so Father right now I bless these people God I don't although they are my people I refuse to call them that this morning because I didn't die for them they're your people and so I pray a blessing over your people I pray that Father they would find their mind overtaken by their spirit this week I pray that when the enemy comes against them this week, they will raise up a standard and the enemy will instantly have to flee. God, I pray that you'd send these folks out into a war equipped to win a victory. In Jesus' name.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.